0: It's not like any other podcast coming to you straight from the heartland where investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Paranoid Banker Podcast. So when it comes to what's working in the marketplace now with multifamily and really what you should be focusing on, I would really kind of answer that question on what you should not be focusing on. And uh, because what you should be focusing on, really, that criteria hasn't really changed a- at all. And what I'm talking about there are things like location, tenant mix, um, age of property, what kind of property is it? Is it converted? Is it not? Uh, and in many of my books, Especially the nine month investment uh, and especially going pro. Um, in those books, I really outline what you really need to be looking for in terms of criteria, and that really hasn't changed at all. And so, to really go over what you should be looking for, there's no real outlier here, there's no specific little niche kind of property, a multifamily property you should be looking for uh, you know, there's, there's really not. And you can make an argument maybe in certain geographical loca- geographical locations that uh, this kind of property is hot right now, maybe size wise, or this location is hot right now, location wise in terms of maybe geographic. So you can make maybe some of those arguments, you know, but at the end of the day, the criteria really hasn't changed. And and I'm not going to take this version of this podcast to go over my criteria and all of the things that uh, I I really recommend you look into and avoid. Um, Those are in my books. So you want that information, you know, just go, you've got my books. But, you know, for those of you that may be watching or listening, you know, just go to DarrenGarman.com and my books are there. Go to Amazon and if you like paperback, you can buy books there, they're all there. And my criteria is they're especially in the nine month investment, especially in paranoid banker investing and especially in going pro as a real estate professional. Um, so those really haven't changed. The other thing that hasn't changed is, and I'm bringing this up because I've had this question twice uh, over the last two weeks, I've had it twice. And I'm gonna bring it up and show you, you guys have seen it, but I'm gonna show on camera, the book, it's an old book. It is a Trump Strategies for Real Estate book, okay? But here's the difference though. This is not a book written by Trump. The book was written by George Ross, Trump's attorney. Now he's not his attorney now, of course, but you know, when The Apprentice was first getting started in a lot of the, back in that era, And a lot of the deals that Trump was putting together and doing for a lot of the properties that he owns went through his lawyer, George Ross, okay? So this is a Ross written book. This is not a Trump written book. Why is that important? It's important because Ross gives you unbelievably great negotiation, investing, due diligence, advice it's among the best I have ever read ever okay and it's in this book right here so I mean I'm not pitching the book I'm not selling it uh, I, I mean I don't care if you buy it or not or get it what year was this written let me see here uh, I've read this twice when was it 2005 05 2005 if you don't have the book, you need the book. I mean, just on a conference, look at all of the um, pages I've got saved in this book. Can you see that? Let me get up to the camera. Can you see all the pages I've got saved in this book? For those of you who aren't, are not just listening on audio, you're not privy to that, but I'm showing the camera all of the pages I've got saved in this book. And it's a ton. It's a ton. Raising money, um, techniques of uh, of negotiating. I, I mean, I could go on and on principles to, to follow, create the aura of exclusivity. I mean, this is some great, great stuff. And it's so applicable to everything we do as investors. I mean, this is um, everything from being real serious and multifamily, like some of us are, or in other commercial real estate, all the way to, you know, you're kind of a casual investor, but you wanna be as savvy as you can be, this is a book to get, okay? Now, I bring that up because we're really talking about um, what should you be focusing on in a market like today? What should some of your criteria be? Well, one of the criteria really needs to be is to go in as smart as you can, as savvy as you can, and being the best negotiator you can. Now, that goes without saying. I mean, you wanna be like that all of the time, I get it, But today, everything is so overvalued right now, um, it's hard to find a really good deal, isn't it? It's hard to find a good investment that you feel good about, that you're not hoping it works out. I mean, I love, this is great marketing, by the way. This is great marketing. I wish I would have came up with the idea. I didn't. I love the concept that I see now everywhere of targeted returns. You guys have all seen this. Those of you watching and listening have seen this. If you're on any kind of email list, you're on any kind of uh, investor list, they are sending you properties that they're looking at purchasing, developments, whatever it is. And what do they got on there? Big ass targeted returns. 16%, 16 18.2, 16.3, 17.4. Come on. Really, So you're really telling me that in an overheated, overpriced market that we have today, and by the way, just as an aside, I'm recording this in October of 2021, depending on when, I mean, people sometimes listen to podcasts years down the road, right? So this is what I'm recording. You're really telling me you're going to be getting an 18% return in an overheated market buying a beautiful trophy-like property come on that's not gonna happen but by saying targeted return that word targeted there's no warranties there's no guarantees there's nothing like that and they could be off eighteen percent and still be okay alright so I mean I'm picking on those folks that do that a little bit admittedly but I'm saying it because one of the things that you need to really be looking for in this market, in terms of criteria, it gets back to this book, it gets back to going in savvy with some wisdom, knowing that everything is now hyper-marketed, hyper-oversold right now. And I say everything, it's not, I mean, that's not accurate, it's not everything, but it's close. It's close. So the first thing, going into the market today, got to be smart in terms of being disciplined, okay? Answering the three questions. What is it you want? Okay? Why do you want it? Okay? And looking down the road, five to 10 years at least, who will benefit from what you want? Okay? What do you want? Why do you want it? Okay? And who will be benefiting from it five to 10 years down the road? So you 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 ask yourself those questions, you'll be getting answers in terms of return, types of property, income, cash flow, uh, resale. So all of a sudden, it starts to create kind of a cascade effect, kind of a pyramid effect, you know, in a way, because you start kind of building it up, and that's what you need to do. Okay. You shouldn't be going out there like this. Well, yeah, I got 200 grand to put into something. I'm just looking to put it into something that looks decent. That shouldn't be, and by the way, I understand that. I understand totally, but that should there should be more thought going into it. So number one, it's understanding the forethought you should have before going into an investment right now in owning a multifamily property. Now, having said that, I'm not advocating spending six months spreadsheeting the crap out of something to see if you like it. I mean, you gotta be making some pretty quick decisions here, but you don't wanna be making careless decisions, okay? All right, so that's number one, just be wary and let your intuition really be talking to you let that voice inside really be talking to you right now because yeah there are good value-add properties out there yeah there are good opportunities out there but there's this many of them there's this many And if you get an email from the same company, especially, come across your desk once a week about how this deal is so great. Oh, well, next week, this deal is really good, too. Oh, the next week, this deal is really good. Come on. There aren't that many good ones out there. And I don't care what kind of geographic spread we're talking about. There's just not, especially right now. So just be mindful of that and the forethought and wisdom you need to be going in, especially when it comes to things like negotiating, preparation, um, and thinking through what your voice is telling you about a certain opportunity, okay? That's number one. Um, Number two. Number two is not adjusting your patterns, your decision-making and your goals just to fit a property in order to get involved in investing in it. Okay, so in other words, that's a long way of saying don't be shifting your criteria in order for it to work for you. Okay, don't be shifting your criteria. Now, I'm all about not being totally rigid, I'm all about being flexible. Okay, so um, you know, and and this is right. Theoretically, you always need to be kind of evolving and thinking and changing and deciding. And, you know, you don't always want to get totally locked into the same exact thing year after year, after year, after year. Now, if you've got a recipe that you followed like that, that's been good, fine, but you want to have a little flexibility, but you don't want to be totally throwing everything to the side in order to just get into a deal, into a multifamily property, or getting a deal done. And I'm seeing this happen now all the time. So, in other words, I'm seeing individual investors, I'm seeing companies, I'm seeing partnerships, um, I'm seeing them going into the market with um pretty much a manifesto of what they want to achieve. Here's the kind of properties we want to buy, here's the kind of returns we're looking for. Here's what our expectations are. Here's our, I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? Only to find that they shift from that just to get a deal bought, just to what the language is today win the deal. Because in many situations, there's competitive bidding going on out there. So all of a sudden, they go into uh, an, an opportunity. A multifamily opportunity with thoughts and goals and um, targets in mind only then because they want to now win the deal to change all of that and that change involves one word hope hope okay so there's a difference between going in with a plan um, and hoping that the plan works out versus discarding the plan and hoping that it works out. <laughs> okay? And that's what a lot of people are doing right now. and you can't just look at think it think of it this way. There's always another bus coming. There's always another bus coming down the road. So yeah, in today's market and in today's world, that bus might be two months down the road until another good one comes up. It might be four months down the road. Hell, it might be six months down the road. So what? So what? Yeah, Darren, but geez, I wait another six months, prices are gonna continue to go up, you know, et cetera. Look, that is not strategic thinking, that is panic thinking. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that real estate values, especially multifamily are going to go, continue to go up and up forever, from here into eternity, here until I leave this earth, do you think values are just going to go up month after month, year after year? No they're not. If history has shown us anything, it's shown us that there's spikes. There's upward trends, there's leveling off, there's downward trends, there's upward trends, there's dips, there's all of that in almost any investment. And real estate's not immune to that. So you can't be thinking, oh well, if I sit on the sidelines, I'm going to miss out on these, uh, I mean, I'm paying, you know, they're going for $100,000 a unit. Now, geez, if I wait six months, they'll be going for $150,000 a unit. So what? You'll be losing even more money six months from now. So be smart about that, okay? And it's so tempting because you can really justify it. But just be thinking about that, all right? Here's the other thing, the next thing related to that. You've got to avoid investment pressure of getting capital in the market, of getting your money in the market. Whether it's your own money, I mean, I mean like you. So you know, you've got your money set aside and you're waiting for that property to put the money in. And you're grouchy because you're not making really much of any money. And in fact, you're probably really losing a little bit of money based on where your money is sitting right now, right? Right. So you've got this internal pressure on you as what many other people do to get that money in out of where it's at now and into the market and Oh, good, I got it in the market now. Well, that's not really why you invest, is to relieve the pressure off of you. You invest to make a profit, hopefully a large profit. Has nothing to do with how you feel emotionally, but yet that's how a lot of people are behaving. They're behaving emotionally because they feel they need to be getting their money from point A, into the market at point B, and they're willing to take on the risk, or maybe not even wanna think about the risk involved in that just to get their money into that investment. Okay, well, once that's done, then what do you do? Okay, once you get the phone call of, well, yeah, um, our vacancy's up and our values are going down and once Oh, yeah, that distribution we told you we'd have for you. Well, it's not really going to be there. Once you start getting that information, you're going to then start thinking, yeah, maybe I should have, maybe I liked having that pressure on me when it was sitting in that, uh, I don't know, money market account or savings account, right? Better. So don't let the pressure on you um, force you into an investment just to get your money into it. And we're talking multifamily now. The other thing goes to if you've got partners or you've got other people that are investing with and through you, because I mean, I get emails and calls every every day isn't accurate, but almost every day from my partners, um, other investors saying, hey, when are we buying something? Uh, when can I get my money into something? My money's sitting here. You told me you thought we'd have something, by now. Uh, I mean, I got lots of pressure on me right now from investors, uh, my own partners, saying, Darren, come on, we gotta be buying some stuff here. No, we don't. Only if it meets our criteria that we've already pretty much talked about before. Yeah, hell yeah, we'll jump into it full throttle, man. I'm there and we're going for it. But if it doesn't, I'm not putting our capital, your capital in the market in a property that I don't feel good about if I can't go back to you and say this is a good property to buy. I don't wanna go back to you and say, yeah, you know what, Bill, we finally got your money in a property. I don't care. I wanna go back to you and say, you know what, Bill, we finally got your money in a property you're gonna absolutely love, it's gonna be great. But until I can say that, I still got that pressure on me that Bill wants to get his money in a property and I'm not going to put it in a property just because I got Bill and 25 other people calling me, telling me to get their money into property. Because here's what happens, what a lot of people then think is, well, all of a sudden my partners are gonna go somewhere else. Well, they might. They, they may choose a different investment. Well, they might. But again, those are no reasons to be getting involved in getting deals done just for the sake of getting deals done, okay? And here's the last one. And not a lot of people think about this. And I don't mean to come across like I've got like this some big secret, oh, nobody knows about this. But what I'm gonna tell you, It's gonna make so much sense to you, but I promise you don't hardly ever think of it. And it's simply this. If we've been taught anything as just general investors, it's really to make sure you spend the majority of your time doing what most everybody else is not doing. In other words, you wanna be doing the opposite of what everybody else is doing, okay? So if you look at me, so what's my philosophy right now? My philosophy is to continue to drill and find great multifamily properties that we can own. I'm still on that track, right? As long as it meets our criteria, and as long as it can be an investment that our partners know meets our criteria. What's everybody else doing? Everybody else is doing, oh, we're just gonna get out there, competitively bid, buy something. Oh, great, we've locked up a property at $125,000 unit, we feel great about this and we're, we're just gonna go forward. So what most everybody else is doing is bending their criteria or even ignoring their criteria in order to buy something and have something that they own versus the opposite, which is sticking with what has been working and only looking at and dealing with those kind of properties that work and that meet your criteria, okay? In other words, I mean, in a real general way, everybody's out there buying and overpaying for stuff, I'm not, and I'm not doing it just because everybody else is. And if there's one thing that we've been taught as investors from like historically, it's been to think and do the opposite of what everybody else is doing, okay? Um, And again, that's not to say that we're still not looking, we are. We're still not gonna buy, we're gonna buy. So we're still as aggressive as we possibly can be, but we're not carelessly aggressive, which is what everybody else is doing right now. And when I say everybody else, I don't mean everybody, but 90%, I mean, I'm blown away at what properties are going for right now. And it's all based on hope. And pretty soon, uh, once things kind of, the kid can only get kicked down the road for so long. And I want to be in a position, as I've said before, and we will be in a position to have conversations with people that find themselves in a bad position because of hope and because they wanted to win the deal. Okay, so. When it comes to you your own criteria what you need to be thinking of and looking at i really suggest you think about what i've just talked about what it will do is it will create a huge amount of free time for you it will because now all of those properties that cross your desk that you pretty much have dug into you've gone onto the surface and you've looked into it you already know oh geez i mean i can't figure that out next next Next. It's not, well, I'm gonna spend three days spreadsheeting this to see how I can get this to work. You've saved yourself three days. And what's good about that is you can now look at more deals versus spending your time on that one, okay? So moving forward in the market, what are some of the things you should be looking for? Those really haven't changed. Again, go to my books, check them out in terms of what we're talking about there. I really want to talk about some of the things you don't want to be doing that everybody else is doing, that you don't want to be joining and getting on the bandwagon and um, and doing. I want to finish my podcast with a story that I've told a couple of times, but I'm seeing it being played out in the multifamily arena a lot now. And it's my Orlando, trip to Orlando story. So back in 2007, uh, and I'm gonna preface this by reminding everybody, because some people that watch and listen, uh, they're young, so they don't remember this. Uh, And some people remember, but they forgot about it and wanna forget about it. So uh, 2007, uh, the real estate crash started in huge waves, especially in the single-family home market, especially in the debt markets. Uh, Many companies went under, many banks went under. So long story short, we had a real estate crisis that lasted four years. Uh, House and property valuations in many parts of the country were cut in half overnight. I mean, all of those kinds of bad, bad things. So this is right before this happened. So this is 2007 before, months before the crash. I'm in Orlando at a conference. And I'm getting out of the airport to get into a taxi. And I'm talking to the cab driver, just making small talk. Where are you from? And what are you here for? And, and so I was, told him I was here for a, a business conference, mastermind conference, business, uh, business owner conference. And so of course, he jumps into, well, what do, you think of, um, what do you think of real estate? And I said, well, I'm in the real estate business. I like real estate. So he starts telling me that on the side, he's flipping condos. He's flipping condos. And so, he drives taxi, and he flips condos. And how great it's going for him, and how much money he's making doing this. Now look, um, if you're a cab driver, if whatever you're doing, and you wanna flip condos on the side and make money, God bless you. God bless you if you can start doing that full time, and that's what you do, if you don't wanna be doing your cab driving or whatever else you're doing go for it. Okay. However, the red flag starts going up when I've got a guy that's telling me that he drives cab and he flips condos. Then I ask him how long he's been doing it. He tells me about six months, about six months and all the money that he's making. So I get out of the taxi cab, having a nice conversation with the man, pretty much knowing that there's, there's definitely some problems out there. I knew that there, there were some problems. Did I know it would be the degree it was? Of course not. But I knew that we were in trouble. I knew we were. If the cabbie is telling me how to flip condos and make money and why I should be doing it. And he's only been doing it for 6 months. You already know. So, what's my analogy? That's my analogy to what you see today. I see Dozens and dozens and dozens of investors that are starting, overseeing, and running real estate partnerships in in, in a big way that have absolutely no experience, but they're going out into the market with no experiences of owning, managing, going through bad stuff, No real world experience of how to really deal with really bad things when they come up with properties. Big challenges, huge, huge speed bumps or hurdles. And they're going out and they're overpaying for properties with little or no experience in this field. Reminds me of my cabbie friend how much money they're raising, how much money they think they're going to be making, how much money they're making on the fees and raising the money and buying the properties, which by the way, God bless them, that's great. But there's no substance backing that up. There's no experience backing that up. It's one thing if you've got a shit ton of experience backing that up. But if you don't, oh boy it's going to get interesting, as they say. Um, I was interviewed by a couple people on podcasts that, I mean, they're about the age of my kids, um, which again is fine, but in you know asking them how much experience they got and what they've done recently, they really don't have any, uh, or it's less than a year old. And while I admire the entrepreneurial spirit in doing all of that i am fairly alarmed at the ease at which this is getting done without earning it does that make sense earning it interesting interesting and so as an aside that's maybe another thing to be thinking about in terms of who you deal with how much experience do they have have they been through some good things but you also want to know have they been through some bad stuff because in any kind of business you don't really learn experience based on when things go good you learn things when thing when the shit hits the fan is when you learn stuff it's you know, going through difficulty and challenges and adversity—that's how you learn. That's how you get experience, right? And so, one of the first things I tell people when they ask me, "You know, have you ever had you know ever any properties that went bad?" Hell yes, I have. Oh yeah, um, more than one. Happy to tell you all about it if you want to know. Because it happens. Um. But those are some of the things you gotta be thinking of in terms of not doing, okay, not doing out there. And If you follow some of the things that I've talked about on this episode of this podcast, uh, you're gonna find yourself in a much, much better position one, two, three years down the road than if you just jump in, get taken by the tide, and just land somewhere just for the sake of getting your money invested, okay? All right. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com.